Welcome to Listen to Lawrence, presented by Lawrence Eric Davidow, Senior and Managing Partner of Davidow, Davidow, Siegel & Stern, one of the first and most successful elder law, special needs, and estate planning firms on Long Island. This podcast series is based on his Listen to Lawrence seminars and will teach you how to plan in advance to protect your own assets and those that you leave to your children and grandchildren. Mr. David Dow is a past president of the National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys, a published author, and an accomplished and educational speaker. So sit back and listen to Lawrence. Hello, everybody. My name is Lawrence David Dow, and this is another episode of our Listen to Lawrence podcast dedicated to answering your questions. Today, we have a special guest. It's Michelle Jablonski, who is my partner and heads up our Medicaid department. She is the Medicaid guru, and so I always like to have her come here. Of course, I know this stuff, but she knows it as well, if not better, and I'm going to make believe I don't know it as well today, and I'm going to be asking her some questions to see if we can understand the topic, because we got a question today that says, my mom needs help in the house but she has close to $2,700 of income every month, and I was told that she'll never be eligible for Medicaid. Is that true? Hello, Michelle. Good morning, Lawrence. Thank you for having me. (laughs) It is a pleasure to see you again. I believe I saw you about a half hour ago in the office. Yes, I believe so. so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we're having fun here today, and we have a very important question. We have clients all over the place. We know people all over the place that need help in their house. The the Medicaid system um, will, if you qualify, will allow you to get help in the house, but you have to qualify. And you have to qualify with assets and income. So um, can you maybe start helping us through that? I mean, how poor do you have to be to get Medicaid to pay for AIDS? And what kind of AIDS can you get? Right. So the question with Medicaid, it's a resource and income test. Those are the fundamental first tests you have to pass in order to be eligible. So first, mom would have to have less than $30,180 in her name as of the date of application to meet the asset test requirement. I'm sure mom has lots of money. She's got a house. She's got money in the bank. Can we quickly get her eligible for on the asset test? We can make her eligible for the asset test. I'm going to talk about that in my third test requirement. So first test, it's April 1st. Mom has three bank accounts. The total value of her three bank accounts on April 1st, has to be less than $30,180. The second test, which refer or will answer your question, has to do with how do we get her there. Currently, there is only a three-month look-back audit period for community Medicaid. So if I want mom eligible for community Medicaid to pay for AIDS, we're going to look back from her resources or income information from March, February, January. What I think you're saying is that we have to provide three months' worth of records, but even if something is transferred within that three months, are they ineligible for Medicaid? Nope. There, Right now, there is no transfer penalty to be eligible for community Medicaid. So the look-back concept is a little confusing. The, it is. It, it, it's not 
way it is with nursing homes. Another thing, if you give away your money uh, and the first day of the next month you're poor, you're eligible for Medicaid based on assets. Based on assets as the law exists Today. Right, right now. I think we've talked You've about that. You've got it. A lot of people think, like you're alluding to, you have to wait th- transfer your assets, wait three months to apply, and then you're eligible. Uh-uh. Not I true. can transfer my assets on March 31st. So that on April 1st, I have less than $30,180. I am financially eligible All right, so, so that's a good start. So from an asset point of view, all we have to do, and we haven't talked about, and we're not going to talk about today, who we're going to give the assets to and how we're going to do it. Are we going to give it to the kids? Are we going to set up a trust? We're not going to get into that today. The bottom line is there's an asset test, and all you have to do is get your assets out of your name, get your assets below about $30,000, and from an asset point of view, you are eligible for Medicaid. Is that right? You are spot on. All right. And then there's an income test. Can you tell us about that? Then there's the income test. So here's some good news. We don't seem to get that all the time, right? The good news is that in 2022, based on the budget, they significantly increased the income allowance for community Medicaid. It used to be you only could keep $984 or so and be eligible. You'd have to do something with your income over that, which we'll get to. But now that number has increased to $1,697 a month. For simplicity's sake, let's just round it up to $1,700 a month. So they've raised the the exclusion amount. or you, the, the income the, allowance. The income allowance. They're allowed to keep now up to close to $1,700 of their monthly income. Correct. All right. But m- m- the, the our questioner today said that mom's income is not uh, $1,700, but it's $2,700. So she's $1,000 off. Is she ineligible for Medicaid? What's the answer, Michelle? Absolutely not. Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> right? So that client has several options, but the most common option is that client will want to use what's known as a pooled income trust. Wait a minute. There's this, there's a trust out there. But don't if, if she's $1,000 over, doesn't she just have to spend that money on the home care agency and spend it down on the home care agency and then Medicaid will pick up after that? Nope. Isn't that what Medicaid wants them to do? Medicaid yes. is okay <laughs> with you doing that if that's how you elect to handle that, but, but, but you don't have it, to. It doesn't work that way. No, you have another option called a pooled income trust. A pooled income trust. Okay. Where you create a sub-trust account with a not-for-profit corporation. All right, hold it. You're, you're way too fast for me already. So, Got it. Uh, uh, what is a pooled trust? A pooled income trust is really a special, a type of special needs trust, but it's more like a bank account that you don't have direct access to that a corporation receives your monthly overage, in our client's case, $1,000, and that gets deposited into this account. All right. So uh, what I think I'm I'm hearing so far, and I'm just trying to break this down, and and you know I like to teach like a kindergarten teacher. Sure. But a, what I'm hearing so far, a pooled trust is a trust, like any other trust, I guess. And we're going to take that extra thousand dollars, and we're going to transfer our thousand dollars into this pooled trust. And I guess the, the reason it's called a pooled trust is that everybody else is doing this too. So not only is our $1,000 going in this trust, but thousands of other New Yorkers who have excess income above that 1700 are going to also be transferring that excess income to the trust. And so we're not just pooling 
our own money. We're pooling our money with everybody else playing the same game. And that's why it's called a pooled trust, yes, right? Yes, it has to do with the pooled income trust company is managing all these accounts. But it's not that your $1,000 is going into a, a general account and you get to spend as much as you want from that account. It's going to go into a subtrust account in your name. So Mary Jones has a thousand dollars too much income. So Mary Jones sends a thousand dollars to the pool trust, and it will be in the Mary Jones subtrust in there. Correct. She so, will get statements so for that every month. Thousand dollars is sitting in this trust. Terrific. That means that's safe for Medicaid. That means Medicaid says even though your income is over the seventeen hundred dollars a month. You don't have to pay over that $1,000 to Medicaid. We can let you use it in the pooled income trust for things that Medicaid won't pay for. Uh, okay, so the $1, my $1,000 sits in the trust, and Medicaid now will uh, leave me alone with my income, and they'll provide the aids. But what's, why do I care if the $1,000 goes to pay for care or I lose it to this pooled trust? What happens to my $1,000 that's sitting in that trust? Well, the $1,000 that's sitting in that trust, the money in that trust, can be used to pay for things for mom that Medicaid won't pay for. If mom lives in a rental apartment, it can be used to pay her rent. So the money goes into the pool trust and we can get it back? You're not going to get it back. The applicant or mom isn't going to get it back. The spouse wouldn't get it back if there's a spousal situation. But the money in the trust can be used by the trustee to pay for things for mom. So if you want the trustee to pay mom's cell phone bill of $100 a month, you would send the pooled income trust trustee the bill for $100, and they would write the check for the $100 directly from that $1,000 in your account. So essentially, I'm getting my uh, mom is getting the $1,000 back, not to her, but it's paying her bills. Yes, she's getting use of it, which is fabulous, because who can live in New York on $1,700 a month? Not many people I know. This sounds like legal laundering of the money, Michelle. It is not. It is 100% <laughs> legal, and the law allows it. <laughs> okay, and, and, and does the... Uh, so th these pool trusts are all they're maintained by a charity I understand. They're main yes, they are. There's a list on the New York State Department of Wealth uh, Health website that lists all the pooled income trusts Oh, that so can there's be more utilized. than one. So oh, there's, there's way there's, more there's than one. There's a bunch of pool trusts out there, but generally in our office we use just one and we use uh New York State Association for Retarded Children, NYSARC. That's the one we usually use, yeah. but there are many. But there are others. Absolutely. And we've used others on, on occasions. And they each have their own forms and own um, fees that they charge oh, to the, administer uh, the trust. So here it is. So there's there's a fee for this. Uh, the the, the, the pool trust charges something. Correct. It okay. usually depends on the amount you're... In this situation, it's usually dependent upon the amount you're contributing on a monthly basis. And okay. there's a fee schedule. So if it's $1,000, is it going to be more than uh, more or less than a $100 fee? A it month? shouldn't be. It could be even less than that. Mm -hmm. All right. So what happens if uh, our client here didn't have 1000 overage but had 4000 overage and but only had bills for 2000 So we put 4000 in the trust, but we can only get back 2000 because mom only has $2,000 of bills every month. What happens to the other 2000 So here's where it starts to get tricky, right? Because if mom passes away and there's money left in the pooled income trust, you're not getting it back. Well, who does it go to? It's going to the charity. Oh, that's nice. It, it is nice. It is nice. It is nice. But, but there I... are options. There are ways we can try and 
spend that money. One of them is being an irrevocable prepaid funeral if mom doesn't have one. We can start making payments towards that. So we have to c- come up with some other bills. Yes. What if the uh, the house needs new windows? So it depends on how mom owns the house, right? There's no let's one right or wrong owns, answer. Let's assume mom owns the house. Can we can we recite it? Can we put new windows on it? I think what you would do is you would send that request with the invoice before you actually get it done to your pooled income trust trustee. Say, this is what I'm planning on doing. This is the quote I'm receiving. Is this going to pass muster with the trustee? Because remember, the trustee of the trust is always the one who gets to make that ultimate decision. So if we get a little too creative in coming up with some bills, the trustee could uh, put a kibosh on Shut you down. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. We get a lot of questions. Can I give my grandson a birthday gift of $100 from the trust? No. The trust is to be used for the applicant who is receiving Medicaid. Okay, I get it. So before you said that uh, last year the the amount of income a person was allowed to have was like 900 and something. Yep. Uh, have you noticed uh, any ramifications with these pooled trusts now that there's a higher amount of almost 1700 or so absolutely so if we have a client who in december of 2022 received 1500 dollars a month based on the old laws they had about a 600 dollar overage now come january they don't have an overage anymore so they don't need the pooled income trust anymore what, what should they do to fix that so Initially, you should reach out to your, you can reach out to your elder law attorney, right? That's one thing if you had an elder law attorney assisting you with your application. The other option is you could reach out to Medicaid and the entity, and they will and should make that change for you. Michelle, this was terrific. We were, uh, oh God, this is 14 minutes into this already. I think that's enough for, for this today. We've introduced you now to a, a, a new topic, which is these pooled trusts. Um, and what it essentially does is it gives us the ability to get people help in their house, even if they have higher income than Medicaid allows. It's a great tool. You should know about it. You should know about community Medicaid. You should not be at home. If you need help, you should be getting that help. And the community Medicaid system will allow you to do that. And the pool trust could allow you to keep the full economic benefit of your income. It allows you to remain in the community. Thank you very much for flushing this out with us today, Michelle. Well, look, you I'm sure have a lot of other questions out there. And what we'd like you to do, send your questions to me. You can send them directly to uh, info at davidowlaw.com. And I'll answer these questions, or Michelle will answer these questions with me on a future uh, podcast or one of our Listen to Lawrence letters. Uh, twice a week, I send out a Listen to Lawrence email, I should say. And uh, you can go on our website, davidowlaw.com, and subscribe to that. And it are de- we're dedicated to educating you. This is just free education. We want you to be educated. We want you to get all this right. Thanks for listening today. We wish you peace, health, and happiness. Thank you, Michelle. And until next time, stay safe, my friends. Bye-bye. The Listen to Lawrence podcast is not meant to be advice particular to any one person or to serve as a do-it-yourself planning guide. It's simply to educate the audience. For more information, please visit davidowlaw.com.